Well, hello and welcome to Positive Vibes from the Valley. I'm your host, Ryan, and I work for the Northwestern Prevention Collaborative as a community liaison and training coordinator. This podcast focuses on SAMHSA's eight dimensions of wellness. And that's the emotional, spiritual, intellectual, physical, environmental, financial, occupational, and social dimensions of wellness. Today, we're going to be talking about financial wellness, and we brought Miss Katrina Mee to speak with us today. Hey, thanks, Katrina. Thanks for being here, by the way. You're welcome. You're welcome. We know that you are the foremost leading expert. Um, <laughs> oh, well, I'm overrated there. <laughs> well, with that being said, actually, Katrina, if you want mine, so my introduction obviously is super exciting. Um, but of course, we'd l- love to hear from you. Would you mind to tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe sure. some accomplishments, where you work, your experience, all that good stuff? Sure. Um, I've lived in the Shenandoah Valley my whole life. Um, I've been in banking for <clears throat> 40 plus years. Um, started at um, F&M Bank in Winchester as a teller when I was 16 years old and worked there for 20 years. Um, then went to Marathon Bank in also in the Shenandoah Valley was there for another five or six and then went to Virginia Savings Bank and now am with City National Bank. Um, most of my changes from bank to bank were related to mergers and acquisitions. Um, the larger bank would come in by the smaller bank and I would jump ship and go to another smaller bank, which would then be acquired. So um, this has been the first time with City National that it's been the best combination of both. Um, we're a relatively large bank, not huge, but it feels like a community bank. And that's always been my sweet spot. That's awesome. That's really cool too, to be able to find kind of that, that niche in there. And so. right now I'm the regional manager for City National for the Northern Chandler Valley. My region runs from Winchester to Woodstock. There are five branches in that area. I'm also the manager of the Front Royal Branch. So kind of wear dual hats. Katrina, it sounds like you don't get bored very often. That's what I'm hearing. Banking, I know banking seems really exciting, <laughs> <laughs> um, but we prefer the days that are not exciting. So, yeah. <laughs> well, Katrina, it sounds like you do have some uh, pretty extensive experience here. So, I'm going to read you what SAMHSA defines the financial wellness dimension as. And then I'd love to get your your take. I'm always a fan of the uh, textbook definition, but they can be a little wordy. Um, so I'm curious what you think. Um, okay. SAMHSA defines financial wellness as involving things such as income, debt, and savings, as well as a person's understanding of financial processes and resources, a person's satisfaction with their current financial situation, and future prospects also comes into play. Boy, what a mouthful. That's a lot. Yeah, that's definitely a lot. So, Katrina, I guess my first question would be, how how would you define financial wellness? And kind of following up with that, why do you think it's important? So, for me, financial wellness is just the ability to live the life you want to live. And it varies, actually, from person to person. And especially in the current economic environment, But one of the biggest things that I think impact financial wellness is the generation that you grew up in. If you're an older generation, if you're a boomer, post-retirement, you're looking for quality of life, you're looking for safety, and you want to have adequate medical care. 
and some are more adventurous than others. Some people want to travel. Some people just want to be able to spend time with their grandchildren and live out their life in peace. If you're a Gen Xer, though, you're still working. And financial wellness may mean you know, paying off your mortgage, trying to build a nest egg so that you can retire. Many feel that retirement may have to wait until they're, until they're in their 70s now. You know, it's not a 65 or 62 guarantee. A lot of them have adult children that are living with them and get even grandchildren that they're trying to support. And then millennials. Millennials have it tough right now. They're struggling with higher mortgage payments and rent, rising costs on everything. They want to, if they want to have a house and two cars and that American dream that the Gen Xers, like me, were able to work and um, be able to have, then it's not as easy as it used to be. It's definitely going to take a two-income family. And I think that um, millennials were probably the first generation to stray away from a traditional conservative family. Single parents became more prevalent. That makes it much more difficult to, to earn the income that you need in order to have the things that you want to have. They don't stay in those bad relationships anymore If for the children. They're, they're much more independent. But rising costs and especially medical costs, child care, all that, um, one income, that's a huge struggle. And then you have the Gen Zs, and I love them. They aren't tied down to anything. You know, they, they're not, they don't have to have a job for life. They don't want to stay in the location all the time. You see the TikToks where they're, they're out traveling in vans and they're working for a while and earning enough to, to get through and they're much more flexible. They don't care about stuff the way that my generation did. You know, my generation was you had to have a home and, and fill it full of stuff, collectibles and all that. Gen Z's could care less. They work remotely, gives them much more freedom to do the things that they want to do, to do it quicker. Where my generation, we worked until we earned enough in order to do it. They just do it. A lot of them, are, I think, are waiting to start families and quote unquote settle down. But on the downside, while they don't need as much to achieve financial wellness, many of them have a lot of college debt and um, that follows them from place to place. And then add that to all the other economic struggles that we have right now. And it makes even a modest living difficult, which is why a lot of them end up going back home, unfortunately. But um, all those groups, they all live together in the same community. And the financial wellness of all those individuals make up the community. So, you know, businesses may struggle to find footing in neighborhoods that don't have that financial stability. Then you have, you know, more crime, you have homelessness drug addiction, which the um, Warren Coalition is well aware of and is a huge benefit to help in our neighborhood. But it's everybody is tied together, even though their individual needs might be very different. That's probably more than what you wanted to know. <laughs> that was a lot better than the textbook. <laughs> I got to say, Katrina, I really liked your answer there, especially how um, you know, personalized it is. And you also, I thought, did a really nice job kind of highlighting those differences between the generations. And I can tell you as a uh, current millennial, um, <laughs> feeling the crunch between, you know, the, the housing market with the increasing rent, 
plus the increasing everything, it's hard. It's definitely a hard time um, right now. And the other point that you made that I thought was really important was, you know, and we talk about this all the time on Positive Vibes for the Valley, just basically about how there's that balance between all the dimensions of wellness. And you touched on, you know, within the community, when you see that financial wellness out of balance, you see how many other things become affected, like mm. you were saying, with with crime rates and addiction levels and, you know, overall morale. Um, so it's it's interesting to see how, how important financial wellness is um, and how unique it is to each person. So thank you for expanding right. on that. So with that being said, Mm-mm. I always talked about too, and this is just kind of a, a thought that, you know, I feel like everyone sort of has when we're thinking about teaching the next generation. And you mentioned, you know, Gen Z, even thinking younger, you know, when you're trying to explain financial wellness to youth, okay, it's obviously not as easy, you know, to, to have that conversation. How, how do we instill financial wellness into our youth? How do we get them maybe thinking about that or even just prepare them for that, that future to get their minds thinking about it. It's so important. And I think it's so difficult if they're in the cycle, their ability to become financially stable impacts all the generations. It affects my generation. It affects your generation because they're the future business owners and they're the future electricians and doctors and truck drivers. They have to be able to gain the education and training, I think to aspire to want to do those jobs because somebody's going to have to do those jobs at some point. And, you know, I look at the schools and I think, you know, are they doing a good job of teaching financial, financial literacy? And I know the basics are now a part of the curriculum, uh, but I think it's very basic. And, you know, then you look back and you think the parents, you know, of course have a part in that. And, and are they able to supplement that, that what they learn in the schools, are they teaching their kids good financial habits? I don't know if we can, because they only know what they know. And if they're in a cycle where their um, financial security is not as secure as it should be, then their children are going to have that same, it's difficult to escape that, I think. And it's easy to blame the educational systems, but if the schools are explaining the basics and you know, they're teaching kids about checking accounts and budgets and things like that. But when they go home, their parents aren't doing any of that. And their parents aren't showing them the importance of having a, a checking account or what the benef- what the differences are in credit cards and what a debit card is. It's not just a magic card that they use at the grocery store. If they're not explaining how all those things fit together, then I think it's going to get it gets lost in the shuffle. And it's such a huge part of not immediately falling into a hole of debt um, as soon as you graduate from school. So I think that SOL learning is important and that's such a focus in schools now. But um, I strongly feel that there's a huge need for more practical knowledge in just living and that, that a lot of that's not being addressed. Well, and, you know, Katrina, you also made a good point a moment ago when you were talking about, again, those community effects. And that's why really, you know, we we make the joke, it takes a village. But 
genuinely it, it takes a village because you, you do have the school system who's trying to do the best that they can and instill those basics and you mentioned too about how parents now you know you're seeing a lot more of those parents having to work and take on more responsibilities so it's a combination of taking the, the whole village to come together to to educate our youth and instill instill that in our youth and they're not they're not just getting it at school hopefully they're getting it at home and then hopefully they're getting it in our after school programs or in our community resource fairs or hopefully from okay. listening to this podcast yeah so one of the things i find very odd or at least that i've noticed is that uh, my generation and yours when you were 16 years old what did you want you wanted a job you wanted a car and you wanted to get away from home and you wanted to hang out with your friends. And in order to do that, you had to get practical work knowledge. And this latest generation does not do that. They don't care about driving a lot of them. Um, they don't care about getting their driver's license. And if they don't need that, they don't need gas money and they don't have the desire then to work at these fast food restaurants and all those things that we all struggle through and and learned our basic how to count cash i mean just basic basic knowledge and they're not doing it they're not and that's a huge deficit because that's just that's just very basic knowledge well thinking about some of that kind of basic easy knowledge Obviously, there's a lot of kind of complex and, and people work for a living to, to design, you know, budget plans and financial mm -hmm. decisions. But what do you think are some simple, easy kind of quick tips that you can do to improve financial wellness kind of right now? And for this thinking more along the lines of of the adults in the community. Um, or, know where you stand financially, you know, and. A lot of people don't. Um, there's so many ways now to track spending. It's so much easier than it used to be. Mobile banking gives you up to the minute balances. You don't have to wait. You know, it used to be if you deposited a check before two o'clock on Friday, it didn't even show up in your account until Monday. And now you swipe your card somewhere or make a deposit and you have automatic access to what your current balance is. I know City National has budgeting and financial literacy courses in our app. I know that a lot of other banks do that same thing. It's pretty much, it's pretty standard now. So all the resources are there. So I think, you know, setting that limit on spending. Know when Starbucks is an option and when you probably really shouldn't do that. Prioritize. Set a goal. What is your goal? Do you want to buy a house? You know, do you want to buy a car? Do you want to go on vacation? Do you want to retire? What is it that you want to do? A lot of times you can't do everything right away. You've got to determine what's most important to you in your life. Is renting a house okay if, if it means that you can go on a cruise? You know, is owning a home, is that is that an investment for you or is that just a personal preference? Where do you want to live? You know, do you want to live in New York City or do you want to live in Georgia or do you want to live in the Shenandoah Valley? You know, all those things. Um, when you retire, do you want to retire at the beach or just be able to stay in your own home as long as you possibly can? So it goes back to that original point. It's different for every person. But the main thing is to know what you want and in order to determine what path you need to take in order to get there. If, you know, if if having a career is not that important to you, if just 
earning enough to have the things that you need on a daily basis, that's fine. I mean, it's your life, but you have to know what your goals are and know what you want to do in order to determine what it is that you need to do in order to get there. Because a lot of people, their jobs, their life, and they have to feel included and motivated and a part of something. And then for other people, a job is a means to an end. It's to get you to your family. You go to work and then you do your job and you go home and you don't think about it again. And some people think about it 24-7. So again, it's setting your own personal priorities for what it is that you want to achieve. And either way, you can achieve your financial wellness. It's, it's the same for our youth because it all depends on the goal that they set and what you're willing to do to achieve it. Debt can destroy that. It really can. If you get in over your head, a lot of times it's really hard to get out of it. So it's just being responsible and thoughtful about how you spend. And that goes for any age, any age at all, because debt can weigh you down and take away your flexibility. It can make it so that the things that you consider to be important in your life, you can't get to because of that. And I know that's saying too much debt is bad is probably not what you expect from a banker, (laughs) (laughs) but um, it is so important because it's the way to achieve the things that you want to achieve if you do it responsibly, because, you know, if you want a home, if you want a vehicle, if you want education, it's just doing it intelligently and thoughtfully and making sure it makes sense and that it's not just an impulsive decision. And that's so easy now because social media and everything else, it's so easy to just click on that button. And the next thing you know, something's showing up at your house. I'm like the Amazon queen here. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it is, it's so much easier. You don't even have to make plans to go buy something. It just shows up and saving money is so important. It can be, and I don't see that tendency with younger generations. They're very much more in the here and now. And I don't think it's their fault. I think the impact of COVID financially will be felt for a long time. You had two years of families living in this alternative existence. Uh, We had remote learning and remote working and supplemental income coming into the home. And so now we're trying to return to normal. And what happens? You know, recession, economic uncertainty, and current prices of housing is just astronomical. And it goes up overnight, the same house. doesn't matter what it's listed for. It goes for more than what um, the person even wanted. And then you add that to gas prices and grocery prices, and it just makes savings so much harder. So it's just, it's an unprecedented time. and And I truly believe that the primary thing is for each person to know what they want and to strive and do the things necessary to get to get there. It's not to make them happy. I mean, that's, if they're happy, that's, then they're successful. You know, and that's a great point. And you actually opened up with, with that definition as saying, you know, financial wellness allows people to live the way they want or do the things they want. And you read my mind there too, as I had asked about adults and you, you carried right into youth, which was perfect. And it sounds like, you know, the, the real quote unquote, tip or secret or trick is to be intentional. I always Mm -hmm. make the joke, you know, when I go into Target, 
You don't go in to buy things from Target. Target tells you what you're yeah, going to buy. I don't, I don't think Target's a good example. <laughs> Target, I feel like, how did I end up spending this much money? Yeah, um, it doesn't matter what you go in for. They, they, they read your mind as soon as you walk through the door. <laughs> but, but you know, it's, it's interesting and it's funny you say that because there are so many things out there like vying for our attention and so many ads and, and you're exactly right. Now it's easier than ever to press that darn yellow button that says order on it. And, <laughs> you know, you, you get that, that hit of serotonin and you're feeling good. And, you know, so I think the, the best thing you said there was about being intentional, being mindful and thinking ahead a little bit to the future. Um, so I thought that was a really great point, Katrina. And I'm trying to be a millionaire by next week. So I'm hoping I can <laughs> step into play. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> so I got to put you on the spot here a little bit because, uh -oh. you know, we've been talking about how, you know, the community can improve their financial wellness, how adults in general can, how the youth can, how we foster that, you know, that prioritization of financial wellness. But Miss Katrina, with all your experience, all your uh, you know knowledge that you have, how do you balance your own financial wellness? Are there some things, you know, that you maybe do personally to help maximize your financial wellness? And more importantly, how do you do that in like a healthy way versus that obsessive? Some of that that obsession that I've seen that can happen with financial wellness. So well, I'm, definitely, I'm definitely one of those people that's on the cusp of considering retirement at some point in time. So that has a huge impact on it. And the things that I want to do is I want to be able to travel. I love to travel. And so that's a huge goal for me. And with current economic conditions, it's a little scary. And so I think for me personally and people my age, our goal is to try to protect what we have. You know, where when we were younger, we were more willing to take some chances. And now we're just, I just want back what I have, <laughs> at least for the next few years until things straighten out. And, you know, to have things in place so that whatever happens, I'm taken care of financially. And, and I know this is a little off the topic, but, you know, having power of attorneys and wills and things like that in place. And, and my job as a banker, one of the, saddest things I see is when somebody passes away and they're, and I have their heir sitting across from me and there was nothing, you know, there was no will, there was nothing. And so they're still trying to pay bills and do those sort of things. So, you know, have that basic documentation and everything in place. And I'm just trying to ride the wave of economic instability, <laughs> trying to make sure that um, the interest rates benefit me, that um, credit cards and things like that. If you're in high rate credit cards, there's so many cards out there that have rewards. There's so many cards that have zero balances for the first two years. Don't be afraid to switch them around. Things like that, making sure that I'm getting the best deal on what I have. Just trying to plan for the future. And, you know, right now, home prices are higher, but do you sell your home now? Because if you do, then where are you going to live? You're going to end up paying more for less. So that's not, that's, I think that's one of the reasons why you're not seeing that many houses on the market, even though the prices are up is because you, you have to live somewhere. So it's just planning for those sort of things. Some tips that I have, and this is for 
my generation probably and lower, just some of the things that, that I think get you are subscriptions. You know, you sign up for something that's 99 cents for a month and you end up paying $10 a month forever. And my daughter is, she's in the millennial area. And I mean, she will do the cup of the month club and the whatever the month club and, you know, all those things get delivered and they never stop. So make sure that if you if you signed up for video streaming or something like that and it was an introductory rate, make sure that you're not paying tons of money on subscriptions that you're not even using anymore for different apps. Those things are really hard to get out of sometimes once you get into it and they add up. I mean, it may not seem like that much at $10 a month, but if you have five or six or seven of them, there goes your Starbucks. <laughs> so to me, I think that's pretty important. Um, just know where your money's going with the apps and everything that are out there nowadays. Most, like I said before, the most of the banks have budgeting apps where you can pretty much classify everything. See how much you're spending just on stuff because it doesn't seem like it's that much at any given time. But even, you know, this one of the basic things is lunch out. You know, if you're spending $15 a day to go out for lunch and another six or seven dollars for coffee, you're talking a hundred bucks a week. You know, that's fifty two hundred dollars a year. And if there are <laughs> if there are things that you want, it's not necessarily that you can't afford them. It's just that you're not prioritizing the things that um, you should be prioritizing. But if you're happy with your Starbucks, it's you, right? Katrina, now, you know, you were supposed to be talking to all of our listeners, right? Not just me and that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, wait a minute. It's, it's just amazing how much things really do add up. So, you know, yeah. it's it's funny when we uh, we talk about, you know, the physical dimension of wellness and and another another life, another hat I wear is being a personal trainer. And one of the discussions I have, you know, when it comes to you know, counting calories or doing your exercises or, or whatever you're doing, if you're not keeping track of it and you're not watching it, you're simply guessing. It's so now you're talking to me directly, right? <laughs> 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 but, but it's funny, you know, and, and it's kind of the same sort of, of process. Like you were saying, know where your money's going. And mm -hmm. I'll be honest, now I'm much more aware and, you know, mindful of that. But there was a time, you know, in my earlier 20s when, I had multiple subscriptions and you're looking, you're like, where's all my money going? And mm -hmm. I think when you're asking that question, you should be able to answer it. <laughs> so that's, that's a problem. And this is kind of a random kind of quick question for you. Do those, do those apps really work Katrina that are like the, you know, keep track of your subscriptions and they they'll cut your subscriptions for you. I hear uh, like advertisements and stuff for those sort of apps. Do they, do you feel like those work or do you feel like I'm just afraid that's just another way for you to pay out money is what I feel like it is. Um, you have your mobile apps. Um, you have the transaction history on your account. Um, if you're using one piece of advice I would give if I could is online, don't use your debit card, you know, use PayPal, hook a credit card to it. Don't let people have access to your, to your actual checking account. Don't do that. <laughs> Um, it's amazing how much fraud and everything is out there and they can wipe out a, a checking account in no time, have them hooked to your credit card instead. But you have all that history, whether you use a credit card or you're using your debit card, 
go through your history and just look at charges that are there that you may not realize are there. You have that information. Those apps might make it easier, um, but more than likely, um, I know my iPhone, there's, um, you can go under subscriptions under settings and see what kind of money is coming out. Online gaming, what, I'm not talking just gambling, I'm talking like playing some game where, you know, you have to buy coins to play and it's, it's $20 and you think, well, I'll just do it this one time. And then the next thing you know, you spent $80 on magic coins to, <laughs> to, to know where to get to the next level in your game. Be thoughtful and, and be a little hard on yourself sometimes, a little more strict on what you're doing. It's too easy to spend money. It's a lot harder to make it. And we all know that that's, <laughs> that's the truth. So. I've always wondered, they say money talks, but all mine seems to say is goodbye. So. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, it used to be too. It used to be cash. So you felt like you had something, you know, the old time, you know, you put so much money in a different envelope and that's how much you spend or whatever. And now money is just a number. It's just a number on your app that on your um, history that shows how much you have to spend at any given time. It's nothing physical, really. It's nothing that you really touch anymore. It's just pluses and minuses. And I think that that makes it a lot easier to just let it go because you don't actually see it or feel it or have it. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. I've actually read a lot of um, psychological studies that show it is a lot easier to spend that money and just think, hey, this is a magic piece of plastic. I can just keep mm -hmm. swiping it everywhere and I get the things I want and leave. Right. Fantastic. And mostly you can swipe it right into the negative too. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, my final kind of thought here, Katrina, and it may be kind of a grand summation for you, but I always like to think, you know, if, if our guests have been listening and now the dog's been barking and they're kind of looking at the TV with their other eye, mm -hmm. what would you want the main takeaway for our guests to hear if they forget everything that they've heard just now which hopefully they don't um what would you want the main takeaway for people to hear from this show really decide what's important to you and whatever that is set a goal for it work towards it make a plan because if you're just going day by day you're never going to get there you always have to have some kind of plan and you always have to have some kind of goal in order to, to do anything. And that's especially true with finances. And know your limits. Know your limits and know where your money's going. And try and stay away from unnecessary debt or unnecessary expenses like those subscriptions to things that you don't even use. And um, don't shop on Amazon in the middle of the night. <laughs> Well, Katrina, I thought you really brought up a lot of great points and I really appreciate, you know, your insight. And it was just really refreshing to kind of have some of the things that you think are quote unquote, I don't want to say common sense, but things that you would think, oh, naturally you would, you would come to this conclusion. It's a lot different when it's brought to the forefront of your mind. And like you were saying, when you have to take that mirror and look at yourself and be honest, Hey, where am I spending my money? What am I trying to save for? 
can I go on that beach trip and continue to buy Starbucks every single day? I'll let you know what happens with that. Experiment. I'm working on it. <laughs> um, but, but all joking aside, I really do appreciate everything that you. No had problem. No problem. I enjoyed it. And I would invite everyone if they've enjoyed what they heard today, hopefully you got a lot out of it. I know I personally did. Um, I have to make some quick changes to my personal <laughs> financial plan. Um, but I would encourage all of our listeners and viewers to check out our website, nwprevention.org. Obviously, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, um, all that good stuff. And you can keep up with us on social media to keep up with our new episodes. We've got events going on all throughout the county and community. Um, and we, we'd love to have you stop by and, and check our stuff out. And Katrina, I don't know if you want to give kind of a, a shout out to, to your organization. And it sounds like that app would be pretty handy. Yeah, most banks, um, most banks have mobile apps and everything now. But of course, my preference is City National. And if there's anything that I can do, we're here. So, Katrina, you are going to be able to make me a millionaire by next week? <laughs> or what are we? <laughs> yeah, except for that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, thank you so much for everything, Katrina. You were fantastic. And I hope our guests enjoyed what they heard. And hopefully they will stop by for more positive vibes from the Valley. I've been your host, Thanks. Ryan. Thank you Thanks, so Ryan. much. Thanks, Katrina.